You said that very excitedly. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready now. Here we go. Well, let's do it. Okay. So Tomorrow's yesterday. Is it? Is it now? Okay. I have to say, this was the best bad episode of Star Trek so far. It's competently done. It's a bad episode, but it's goofy as shit, and I enjoyed it. Um. Yeah, it's certainly not boring. Yeah. Not I, like Court Martial, which I don't care for, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. See, the thing about Tomorrow is Yesterday, uh, it's kind of important in that it sets up some things, but aside from that, I don't really find it to be all that interesting. I mean, it's very forgettable. Like, I don't even really remember a lot of yeah. what happened, and it's all very hand-wavy, and there's not really much explanation about the time travel at all. See, yeah, like, the I like the individual... It was one of those episodes where the individual scenes were interesting. Like, anytime you would look at the screen, there would be something interesting or funny happening, but it just adds up to just nothing, really. Like, what specifically are you referring to? Well, the whole bit with the computer is just, what the fuck? And then, you know, then they're in just in this adventure in the military base, and what the fuck? You know, in the Enterprise, in the 60s, and it's just like, I don't know. Every scene, there was something that could have been very interesting happening, and might have been amusing. I mean, they have all these weird, like, light musical comedy stings throughout the entire episode. Like, it's just... It just... Re- what it reminded me of when we were talking about Shore Leave, I said that, like, it would have been a better episode if they'd just gone balls to the wall with it. Like, just committed to the goofiness. Committed to the absurdity. And they didn't in Shore Leave. I felt on this one they actually realized, okay, this is a filler episode. We're just gonna go as nuts, you know? Let's let's just make a reason why the computer's a lady. And let's, you know, just have Spock be this misogynist. And let's just have Sulu go on a side quest. And all these stuff. Like, I, I, I thought it was the best of a bad episode, really. I mean, I think that's interesting because, um, for example, I, w- was the voice of the computer different? I, I think well, it was not. Major Barrett in this episode? Oh, it sounded like her, actually. I don't know. It sounded I... like her actually acting, sorry. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because normally she's speaking in a monotone and here she has inflection, so it just felt like this was closer to her, you know, normal voice. I, I can see that. I mean, I think the thing about Tomorrow's Yesterday, and it's a similar problem to Court Martial in that what sets up the episode is not shown and you don't actually know what happened, um, and also it just feels like an episode where they don't really build anything. It doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't really build up to anything. And yes, it does feel like a filler episode. Like, you know, we're always talking about stakes in Star Trek, right? Yeah. And this episode has none. Um, you can never... You'll never think that the Enterprise is not going to get back to where they belong. Um, you're you're never going to think that they're going to change the future irreparably because yeah. that's just not going to happen in this type of show. Uh, and so it just kind of feels like it's a very pointless episode. And it's not to say that it's it's a bad episode. I mean, it's it's entertaining to watch, yeah. but it's definitely not one of those classic episodes, and it's not one that I would visit revisit you know, more than maybe once every five years. I mean, you know, I, I've probably seen this episode maybe, I don't know, twice or three yeah. times. I mean, I, I don't watch it that often. So for me, it's sort of one of those things where I just really don't feel like it's 
it goes anywhere. I thought the episode would be very different based on the premise. Like, I, I honestly thought the episode would be kind of a way for Roddenberry to soapbox a lot about, about a lot of things. As in, you have the Star, you know, the Star Trek crew representing, you know, the enlightened attitude or the the values that the show has. Then you'd have these contemporary values that are not in line with this. In other Which, words, you'd have like a dude, be, you know, go to her, her and be like, "Well, you're black," and then you know, Kirk would kick his ass because he's more enlightened. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see that, but. Um... You know, I don't think that Roddenberry. That's not really Roddenberry's style. Which I like. Don't, yeah, you know, he was showing and not telling a lot of the time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And you know, in that kind. I mean, and and, and horror doesn't even really have that much of a role. I mean, actually, it's funny because uh, Sulu has a much bigger role but, in that, this episode than I think he has in, in pretty much any episode before. Um, it, it, yeah, it's sort of this idea that I mean, the one thing that they do is. Uh, when uh, the car, the what is his name, Captain Christopher, um, and I can never remember. I can never figure out if that's supposed to be his last name or what. I'm going to but... be honest. I couldn't tell you a single character name from this or the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> that, which which I, is probably not good. I was going to say that that's a clear sign. I didn't give a shit about any of them. Like I, I'll be honest. But, I mean, when they when they when yeah. they beam him up and. Uh, he comes to the bridge and he's like, whoa, women. Like, yeah. that's basically the one instance of that in the entire episode. And it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, they don't talk about it. They don't mention it. I mean, Captain Kirk sort of gives this like, ha, 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 look to the camera or whatever. And it just yeah. kind of, you know. Isn't it th- great that the future in the future women are still wearing, you know, mini skirts and go-go boots? Yeah. Awesome. The future it rocks, you know? Yeah. It, especially in light of the fact that, I mean, weren't there... I mean, weren't there women in the Air Force at this point? Yeah, but I assume they would have had a more uh, practical outfit. You know what I mean? That's true. I, I assume they would be a little more similar to, you know, just a... Because, I mean, if you're a pilot, you know, you, you really can't wear that much fashion-wise. You need to, you know, cover yourself. Well, he's basically. wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's. I, I would assume women in the Air Force would be wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah, you know? yeah. He was. I mean, there weren't any women pilots, but... But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, there's sort of, like, little funny things, like, well, this is right, you know, uh, uh, close to the first manned moon mission, and, and these yeah. kind of things, and it's like, oh, it's 1967, and that hasn't happened yet, like, that's funny. Um, I mean, obviously, they were extrapolating based on the fact that yeah. it was well on its way. Yeah, they knew um, if it didn't happen in, you know, year or two, as it did happen in real life, you know, within 10 years, I guess they would figure. You yeah. Know? I mean, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, JFK said he, yeah. he wanted to send a man to the moon by the end of the 60s, and, and that was well on his way yeah. in 1967. So that was pretty much guaranteed to happen, I think, at that point. Uh, that was pretty far along. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of just like a funny little thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't really think that there's, like, all that much to the episode. Well, there were two very interesting things of backstory that the uh, episode gave. Number one, um, so... Kirk is talking to Captain Christopher or whatever his name is, and, you know, he's basically saying, well, who are you? So Kirk says, you know, it's really complicated to explain. We're running under the United Earth Space Probe Agency. So, Which, which is something they've mentioned before. Yeah. But number one, I, oh, I didn't realize that that specific thing was mentioned yeah um, because remember there was um i believe in maybe the third episode or the second episode of trek about um or maybe it was the fourth i don't remember exactly but in one of the episodes that we covered uh they mentioned yispa 
Yeah. That's what the United Earth okay. Space Probe Agency, um, that's, that's what USPA stands for. Okay. I so mean, they have mentioned it before, but this is, I think, I believe this is the first time that they've actually said it, the whole, the whole name. And the phrase United Earth is a very, uh, loaded phrase as well. That, impl- that, that implies something very specific about what, you know, government on Earth. So it's obviously a world government. Well, I think that's inter- a world organization. I think that's an interesting point because it could have been the premise of this episode that drove, uh, you know, some of the evolution of, of the structure of the society in Star Trek forward a little bit. Because, you know, in this episode, they travel back to, you know, the mid 1960s yeah. and uh, they they had to explain at least a little bit about where the ship was, you know, what their operating um, uh, mission is, you know, who governs it and everything like that. So Mm -hmm. in that respect, it could have been that that was sort of the impetus to, to drive that forward a little bit. Now, uh, the fact that the United earth space probe agency is mentioned in this episode, isn't as important as you might think it is because it's one of those things that doesn't really get mentioned a whole lot. Okay. Um, they sort of hand wave it away by saying that it's the, you know, operating, uh, operating like uh, bureaucracy of Starfleet or something like that. Because by this point they had pretty much decided on, I think, Starfleet as the, uh, you know, sort of the, 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 the air force name sort of thing. I mean, there was that other line in the episode where, uh, Kirk says that they're a combined service, right? Because, Uh, Captain yeah, Christopher asking. had asked, you know, what what is this? Yeah, you know, Army and, Navy. Yeah, he right. So in that sense, you do get a little bit of an interesting uh, behind the curtains thing as well. Which honestly, I mean, isn't that far off? When we do start getting, you know, manned missions into space regularly, I would assume that, you know, yeah, we take some from the, you know, from the Air Force certainly, but you know, there's going to be some Army tech experts who are going to want in on this, and you know. The Navy will want to do something to, you know, like, so you would assume they would pull people from different uh, branches of the service to form this. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah. I mean, because, of course, you know, once you do start having um, a, a military, you know, economic yeah. presence in space, uh, you're, you're going to have um, all kinds of hands wanting yeah, to get you, into that pot. Even if you're starting an organization from scratch, you pull it from somewhere. You're not going to just, you know, you have generals who are trained already, but... The other thing they mention is they give an average of – they give an, a, a vague ballpark about the year that this is. Because yeah. At one point, uh, so, you know, one of the guys who's interrogating Kirk says, you know, I'm going to lock you up for 200 years. And Kirk says, well, that sounds about right. So we're within – this is around the year 2260-ish is roughly when this is all taking place then. Well, is that, that, is that, that, well, that would have that would have been uh, That would have been 300 years. 2160? Yeah. All right. You did your math wrong. But no, it, it's not. Oh. Uh, because the show, I think, believe it or not, uh, I think I said this in a previous episode, doesn't ever uh, blatantly come right out and say what year it is um, on the what about that one? Earth calendar. Yeah. But uh, it's like in the 23rd century. So it is twenty mid twenty mid twenty third well, century. T- to be fair, this is just about right. You know, two hundred years, three hundred. It's obviously years. a yeah. joke. Yeah, and and I remember in, in last week's episode in the Squire of um, Gothos. Yeah, uh, where he says that there's um, nine hundred light years away, and so yeah. that the whole thing about that was they don't know when it's supposed to be because in right. one episode it's possibly set in uh, the twenty eighth century, 
and in another episode is possibly set in the 22nd century. So they're still trying to feel that out. And again, this is just a difference in uh, television, right? Because it didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, people were not watching these. Uh, they weren't presumed to be watching these every single week. Now, of course, Star Trek was a was a big cult hit, and people that watched Star Trek definitely were staying at home on, yeah. on Friday to to watch Star Trek. So, or I believe at this point it was on Thursdays, but. That was a you know, but they but they didn't know that. So the the presumption is you're not going to see every episode. So yeah, you know, it's sort of like it's it's like a lot of things, right? Like you know, who who what's the government like? Who's sending them out of these missions? Um, how far in the future this is? It's all still kind of up in the air. Well, it's funny that in light of what you were saying earlier, how this feels like it has no stakes. You know, we know they're not going to get. Um, and yeah, this is another one of those where if this show were made now, they could do a really interesting job with this episode because there legitimately could be stakes. I mean, if you have a show with continuity, you have the ability to change the future and have something drastic happen that, you know, now nothing will be the same. You know, this could be one of those sweeps week episodes. Or, I mean, even if they get back okay, which they probably would, you know, there, there is that legitimate threat, which, which wouldn't completely change the premise. I mean, it's interesting because um, they they do say that uh, at first uh, Spock says that he did um, calculations, and 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 Captain Christopher, the 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 man who they they had to beam up from from 1960, whatever, uh, didn't have any significant contributions to history. So not returning him would not be a problem. And then later on, they make this sort of like you know, it's obviously like someone read the script and they were like. We need another problem. Like, this is not... This is only 40 yeah. minutes long. We need to stretch this out some more. So they had to, they had to have Spock come back and say, Oh, actually, I, I missed something. Um, one of his... His son was the first... Uh, one of the first I men like to, go, to go to... Uh, yeah. I think it was Saturn. The something Saturn like, probe. Yeah. And I mean, the implication is that that eventually became US or whatever. Like... Yeah. I, 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 and I mean, I... It seems like a lot of missed opportunities because they could have made it a more direct, you know, well, he's the guy who founded Starfleet or whatever like that. Um, Which would have been an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Especially cute, but certainly like it's, you know, I, I, I can accept that a ship went so fast it traveled back in time. I can accept that the one guy they happened to catch happened to be the father of the guy who started this all. And that would make stakes because that would making stakes that sounds good um that that would raise the stakes because therefore this guy's safety you know the the very kirk's very existence kirk's very career depends on making sure this guy gets alive and safe and okay at the end yeah every single character on this depends on that so it felt like a missed opportunity but when you said about having a different problem that was what i thought was interesting about the episode because there's always something that they're dealing with it's it's not an overarching problem. It's about seven or eight tiny problems that just they fix one, the other one crops up, and they fix that, and the other. It's very whack-a-mole. But the thing is, none of them are particularly. It, it, it doesn't really seem to escalate. Right. If the, if each one had been okay, well, here's a minor problem. Okay, here's a worse one. Here's a worse one, and finally, you know, we're all gonna die if we don't do this. You know, I, and I have to say, after a point. I kind of stopped taking notes when they explained what their plan to get home was and how to fix everything was. I didn't really follow it, and I kind of 
didn't really care at that point, and I just kind of figured they're saying, all right, something dangerous is going to happen, maybe we'll get through okay, and they did, and I don't know what they did with beaming people up and down and backwards in time, and I don't know, but... Well, I have some things to say about the end of the episode, but um, before we get to that, I I do want to kind of piggyback on, on something you said, where... Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think you can see the um, that kind of plot structure in a lot of these episodes where, yeah, it's not a big problem. It's just like little problem after little problem after little problem that eventually snowballs into a big problem. And I think that's interesting because if you look at the structure of how these scripts are, are written and how they're filmed, um, there's there's no B story, right? Like, it's all A story. And so... In a lot, you know, in, in in later television and even in later Star Treks, um, you'd have an A story, which was the main story, and that was you know the, the the scary alien who's going to kill everybody, and then you had your B story about how um, you know uh, uh, Sulu uh, Spock, is trying to and Sulu are trying to get a new plant to grow. Yeah, exactly, and and you know, so so that just might be that. I mean, I, you know, that that just you know, there, there's there's more time to fill with these things, yeah. and so they they can't have this one huge thing all the time. I mean, obviously, sometimes they do. Yes, like Balance of Terror. Corbin might maneuver. And that's fine to do. For t- even shows today will have, you know, okay, we're going to focus on literally one thing. And to hi- usually that's done to highlight how uh, serious the thing is if you don't have any B-plots. It felt like they were trying to do one with the computer, though. Like, that felt like a B-plot, but it just literally had no effect on anything. The computer is in love with Kirk, and it gets upset because Kirk isn't, like, gloving it back. And it was programmed by a female-dominated planet, and Spock really disapproves of this because, you know, women have menstruation that makes them illogical, and... Apparently. And which which is very funny, because when we get to the second season, there's an episode that is yeah. killer <laughs> uh, with Spock and, and, and sexuality, which you probably have heard something yes. about at some point. But, yeah, I, I, I don't even remember how they resolve it, but I think they're just like, well, I don't think they do. I at think the end, it's just like, of, it's a computer. Hello, dear. And that was like, and Kirk's like, what are you going to do? Whatever. Dames, you know? Wah, wah, wah. And I was just waiting for that to connect with the main story. Because, again, I'm a 2012 viewer. I am used to the B plot at least has the same themes as the A plot, if not uh, directly connecting to it, or it's at least entertaining in its own right. And it was nothing. It was just kind of... They mention it twice and it never goes anywhere. Yeah. And that was another thing. Like I thought when he was explaining why the computer was a woman, I figured it was, okay, this is one of those episodes where they just kind of explain all the well why is this and why is that and why do we have this and why did we not have shuttle you know and why do the computers have no screens yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i you know yeah i can see that um well speaking about the structure of the episode so so let's go to the end right because um this is where tomorrow's yesterday really falls off the rails like (laughs) uh like literally like i was almost offended at the end of this episode because it makes no goddamn sense okay so like it just it it doesn't make any sense right because okay the the structure of the episode is uh they slingshot around a black star and they end up going in the past and 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 kirk uh not kirk spock uh, figures out that oh well if we do this around the sun 
it, it may take us back to the future. Uh, okay, fine. That's, that's yeah, which that's, they actually that's, established already. Well, they did right. They did establish that already. It's also how they travel back in time in Star Trek Four. Yeah, um, and I think they use it a couple other times in, in various Star Trek episodes here and there. So and this from, is kind of the genesis. You know, that's kind of the gen. I mean, they did establish it before, but this is like the first time that they well they didn't establish this before the, the time travel in in where no man has gone before was i think completely but they different. went uh, um, there was a reason they did how did they go back for that no they they did go back in time but it wasn't because they were slingshotting around a star but they went like super fast or something yeah like, oh, yes yeah. they did they did that um i, I they were basically using the explosion and right either way they established in that episode that going really 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 fast will make you travel through time which my understanding of physics is that's kind of the theory. That's theory, kind of how, yeah, theory that exists. But of course, you know, going faster than the speed of light and is, like yeah. slingshotting around a star, kind of you know, lets you yeah. have some control over it or something. That's it, all fine. It's it's it, it's bullshitty enough that I could accept it. Right. I mean, this is not a hard sci-fi show, yeah. so who cares? Um, the thing about the the end of the episode, though, is yes, it, it doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense. Um, they're talking about, okay, like we're going to be going really fast back in time. So you have to go down to the transporter pad so we can transport you back. Um, and when you go back, it'll be like it never happened. So we don't need to worry about you remembering anything. So my question is, yeah, if it's like it never happened, why do they have to beam them back? Because then they'll have them on the ship. See, okay. And then they won't, no, they won't be on the ship because it never happened. And then you get this other weird thing where there's two there, there's two people on the ship that they have to beam up from 1960 yeah. to whatever. And there's two scenes of them beaming back, right? So you see where they were actually beamed up, you know, earlier in the episode, the that that scene is replayed. Yeah. And then they get beamed up. But the guy in the past is there. It like he dematerializes, and then the guy from the future Enterprise rematerializes. Where did the past guy go? Well, well here, yeah, it's like to me. I I mean, my understanding was that we beam him up into the ship. He goes on this adventure. We travel back and beam him back like a second later, so that way, like nineteen sixty seven or whatever, doesn't notice him gone, which is fine. But then the future, you know, even though. There'll be an extra couple days spent on the Enterprise that, you know, otherwise wouldn't have happened, but they still happen subjectively. Like, that's not yeah. how time works. It's not how time works time at all. Is not, time is not an objective thing, you know? Like, it, time it, is subjective. It, that, that part makes absolutely no sense. And then the other thing is, if none of this, if they go back in time and then forward in time again and none of this ever happened, then what the hell was the point of the entire middle of the episode where Kirk and Sulu are skulking around the base, stealing tapes and things? Like, if it never happened, then they didn't have to do that. And so this episode could have been 15 minutes long. I have to say, they, no, they've made this episode. Like, make, what the hell make, was that about? They make things way too hard for themselves in this. Uh, okay, so the part where he... Uh, so they go into this base and they number one we find out that beaming is they focus on the communicators which is a really stupid idea by the way like isn't there they're not going to implant a chip in captain kirk that they're going to use to get him at any time because as happens in the episode someone else is holding the communicator they lock onto the communicator signal and they get the wrong guy well this is the failing of 
the, yeah. this is the failing of, st- of science fiction, right? Is of that course. they could not foresee that. Yes, of course. And maybe that's, you know, a point, you know, that that is kind of one of the points of the episode that this was a stupid idea, you know, to program it this way. But well, it's not even that it's a stupid yeah. idea. It's just like they're they're They, they you know, yeah, computer chips were not small enough. So that's like th- to expect the writer of this episode. They to be can't like, just say, well, we, we focused on Kirk's biometry and, you know, like they can't make yeah. something up. They couldn't make something which up. they never do. We have a DNA, you know, we, using DNA, we have a DNA scan and we find, you know, Captain Kirk through that. There's well, a billion ways they could have explained. Well, this that. is this is something that I have always has always troubled me about science fiction and general and i've never heard a, a satisfactory explanation about it is what exactly are life signs and how do you scan for them like you know because that's like a that's yeah. like a science fiction trope right like there are no life signs on this ship like oh we got five life signs we're going to beam up whatever it is what the hell are life signs i mean you could see things like you know if you have see the thing is it, they they, they, they aren't specific enough i get life signs you know that could be cockroaches that could be plants as well as people it could be anything i assume it would be something to the effect of well you know if there's a we're seeing a blob of temperature between you know 97 and 99 degrees and it's you know a certain height and shape you know that's that's a human, you know. Well, I assume things like that, pul- you know, heartbeats and pulse and things like that. I guess, but I mean, I don't know. you know, it's I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But what I thought was interesting, so they so they accidentally beam up this guard, and then he's like immediately just terrified, as anybody would be. I mean, obviously. And then they're spending all this time wondering, what do we do with him? How do we? What you do with him is you immediately beam him back, and that way when he says. Well, for a second, I was in another place, and there were all these aliens there, and then I got beamed back, and now things are gone. You're not going to—they will immediately assume, okay, and, there and was they, a— <laughs> And they immediately revoke his security clearance, fire him, exactly. and he lives Just, under an overpass for the rest of his life. Like, that's sad. I don't want to see that happen to him. Oh, well, you don't know that— He was wearing a kicky beret. You know? our, unif- our uniforms were— uniforms really purple in that day because i don't think they, so. they were kind of garish yeah but yeah. it was omaha so who knows what the hell's going on in omaha in the 1960s I, what if omaha in the 60s was like really this really you know austin powers swing in london place and you know it was just secretly really awesome it but could like be. you know because we didn't have the internet then no one knew about it so it was just kind of like really into itself and it had this whole music scene and you know there was all this underground literature coming out of omaha and then it just kind of died until oh. saddle creek omaha no that's not a thing and that shouldn't be i really don't ever want to watch this episode again yeah it's uh you know to to wrap this part up i think uh it's not a great episode. It's it's mildly entertaining. I mean, I like the parts where Sulu and Kirk are skulking around on the planet, even though they're pointless because it never happened. By the way, why does Sulu get the side quest? Because he's looking for military men. Could be. They figured who's gonna be who's gonna know where there's a military man in the area? Sulu. Okay, sure. That's 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 my evidence this week. That's no evidence. That was never said on screen, so it's not evidence. Well, why else did they pick him then? Because he's really good at hand-to-hand combat, obviously. Yeah. And he knows a lot about... Hand-to-hand combat. The listeners me. can't see what you're doing. Well, they can just imagine. Richard is making the jerk-off motion with his hand. It's it's disturbing. I'm sitting way too close to him <laughs> for, for, that, for him to be doing that. 
Yeah, he's good at hand-to-hand combat, uh, combat, and he knows a lot about 20th century uh, weapons. That's true. So that's why they asked him to go. All right, Richard, so, so what would you give this episode? You know, I've been really agonizing over it, because in terms of giving me goofy stuff to laugh at, it was an 8, but in terms of an episode, it was about a 3, so I would say it's a 5.5 triples. I'll give it a 5, that seems reasonable. Well, Yeah, but a half triple is a sad thing. It is, yeah. Who, who killed the triple and cut it in half? How do we know it was killed? Triples could probably, like, par through Genesis or something. I, I don't know. I've never seen like a thing about you know triple DNA or anything. So wait, so wait. If you cut it, so you cut an earthworm in half, it makes two different earthworms, right? Yes. Or so then, are they half an earthworm, or is it a whole earthworm? It's uh, it's uh, symmetrical, I believe. That doesn't answer the question. Sure, it does. No, 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 no. We cut an earthworm in half. Is each piece a whole earthworm or a half earthworm? Oh, each piece is a half earthworm. But if it can survive on its own, isn't it then a whole earthworm? I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Who are, you, who are you, Socrates? Shut up. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to Court Martial. All right, so before we talk about Court Martial, I would like to have a little education corner. Okay. Okay, so at one point in uh, uh, Tomorrow is Yesterday, we see... Um, so this Captain Christopher has been given a gold uniform. Sure. You know, just to wear, because every time somebody is staying at another person's place in the show they're wearing the same exact outfit mm-hmm. in what girls are made of we saw them wearing the same robe or whatever um so captain christopher knocks out a guy in a red uniform and then captain kirk knocks him down sure so how is the rock paper scissors work on uniforms does like gold beat red and red beats blue or something like that okay so there there's two things um there's the kind of two separate questions um the color of the uniform is independent of rank so okay. uh, gold is command, uh, red is security and engineering, Okay, and uh, blue is medical and sciences. Okay, then that So that's makes... how that breaks down, and then uh, the rank is totally independent of that. So obviously you would have like a captain that is command, like they would yes. always wear gold because they're the command. Um, but, you know, like Spock, for example, wears blue because he's a science officer, even though he's also the first officer. I'm not sure, you know, what takes precedence there. I mean, he, he also could wear gold because he isn't a command level officer as well. Yeah. So I mean, it's just, you know, whatever kind of, you know, kind the of assumption there yeah. would be that he worked his way up through the ranks. And then, I mean, I'd, I would assume he and Kirk knew each other or something like that. And yeah. Kirk had some kind of pick. If you, I believe... I, I believe if you look at their, I think it's their sleeves. Uh, that's where their ranking insignia okay, is. Okay, you can't you can't see it very well. Um, it's very obvious uh, in later Star Treks because they change it to uh, rank insignia pins on their collar. Okay, uh, but in in this show, it's not like that. Okay, and because my, I mean, I know red shirt is you know. The, the the joke being that's the one who gets killed in the right and anytime I see one I expect an arrow to just fly out right right or they will just explode or something and that's because they're security officers but I had always wondered why Yahura was wearing one well because she is uh, engineering which is and Scotty as well okay yeah all right that then that makes sense and then later on when we get to other Star Treks it's completely different so yeah because I know I also that. I also never got why Spock isn't wearing gold but. That's why Maybe science, yeah. and what exactly does science like? What what is Spock's exact field? He's his his exact field is science. So okay, so he is a scientist. 
Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. All right. So let's go. uh, Let's talk about court martial. So, Richard, what what would you like to say about court martial? Well, I I don't know exactly what I was referring to when I wrote this down, but my very first note to the episode is, okay, it's going to be one of those episodes. And just the rest just... It's, it's, I'm not a lawyer, but if I were a lawyer, I would find about three billion things that are a little questionable about the way legal procedure works in space. I thought that as well. Like, I am not a lawyer. I did not go to law school. I've never taken a law course. Whatever I know about lawyering, I've seen from Law and Order and reading true crime books and things like that and and playing a whole lot of Ace Attorney. Richard can can back me up on that. Objection! (laughs) Take that. Um, But yeah, like, for example, uh, they keep saying in the courtroom scenes, like, you know, uh, uh, that's conjecture, like, that's your opinion. Half the time, they challenge it. Half the time, they don't. Like, there were points where uh, the the prosecuting attorney was asking questions of Kirk or whoever, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait a second. She can't ask that. Like, yeah. that's opinion. Why aren't you objecting, guy? But I mean, too, and at one point, they do shut down something that Spock's saying because it's conjecture. But I do believe that there is an amount of analysis that an expert witness is allowed to Oh, give. absolutely, I mean, that, yeah. that's kind of the point of an expert witness yeah. is to, you know, I, when I, I went on jury duty for a medical malpractice case, and they had several doctors, and all of, you know, their testimony boiled down to, okay, no, you know, Given your expertise, given this case, could this have happened? Like, is it plausible for this to? I mean, they they don't ask, did this happen? Did this definitely happen? But they say, you know, is it pl- within the realm of possibility? Right. And there's that whole scene uh, where the prosecuting attorney, who also uh, was a former love interest of Kirk's, as we find yeah. out, um, who's wearing an awesome dress uh, when we first see her, this like, this like yeah. crazy colored, like floral but like psychedelic flower kind of dress that 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 um, entire bar set was gorgeous i know don't you just want to go there and have drinks with everybody and the drink that she drinks it's like this it has like five billion on parasols and like fruit on it yeah. and like kirk's drinking like bourbon and you know she's just drinking this really fun looking drink well uh and also the fact that we're talking about like the bar set and the clothes that the prosecuting attorney <laughs> wears says something about this episode but there, yeah, there's a, there's that one scene where the prosecuting attorney is asking questions of McCoy, and she's sort of like, yes, but in your medical opinion, as someone who studies psychology, could this have happened, et cetera, et cetera? And he finally says, yes, it could have happened. Yeah. So, you know, and it was very, like, obvious questions, but I guess as a lawyer, that's what you do, because yeah. the whole premise of the episode is that um, Kirk basically murdered one of his crew members because the crew member didn't like him, and so Kirk didn't like him, yeah, which is that's... just bizarre. Um, and, and the reason why the crew member doesn't like Kirk, uh, is because he made a, a, a terrible mistake, which basically something about atomic, uh, energy the, yeah. piles or something, which, ba- implica- which basically sounded like he like armed an atomic bomb or something or, or, or forget, forgot to shut a door and like radiation was leaking out. Yeah, it was, like, that, something really serious. The implication was that like if Kirk hadn't seen that the ship would have been destroyed. Yeah. Like, and this is, which legitimately, if you're doing in some kind of position of responsibility or something, is a career-ending move if, you know, five minutes later you would have killed fucking everybody. Yeah, like, yes, I'm like, uh... Not only should you not be an officer, you should not be in a ship, like, ever! Yeah, like, um, why were you not drummed out of the service? Here's some wood, make chairs, that's what you're doing for the rest of your life. Have fun! Good job, guy! 
Go live on a planet, you and your lovely daughter, Judy Jetson. Oh, she was horrible. She was a horrible person. I will say that this episode has great one-off characters because she came in and like she's yelling at Kirk, you killed my father. And I literally was like, oh, I was literally like, oh my God, she is wearing Judy Jetson's dress. Like, what is, what am I watching? And then, like, ten minutes later, she comes in, and she's like, I'm sorry, Kirk. And he puts his arms around her, he's like, that's okay, you're not to, 16. Not to mention the fact that the actress that plays her looks like she's about 30. <laughs> yeah. And they obviously cast her because she's short. Yes. Like, that's the only reason she got that job. She sh- no, she may- she might have been someone's relative. Uh, okay, that that's fair. Um, so, so, uh- But the other thing is, too... Um, before I forget that maybe another reason why they never promoted this guy is at the very end when Kirk is skulking around in engineering and they have a fist fight and yeah. the shirts get ripped because that, that was, in, you know, Shatner's oh, contract that that had to happen at least once every two episodes. It's been a few episodes since we've seen Shatner's nipples. I- exactly. I mean, I'm not complaining, but no. um, that, you know, maybe, uh, uh, what was his name? Finney? Um, sure. Didn't didn't get promoted because he looks insane. Well, no, that like was he looks be- he looks like uh, a cross between um, like Al Pacino <laughs> in uh, like The Godfather. Wait, was Al Pacino in The Godfather? Yeah, yeah. Like Al he Pacino, The Godfather. Yeah, like no, he didn't. Well, at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Spoiler alert: Sorry, Al Pacino becomes the Godfather at the end. If you've never seen The Godfather, uh, Al Pacino in The Godfather, and like. Um, david lynch and i'm just like david lynch who would ever trust you with the captaincy of a starship yeah because you're obviously insane years of crazy you know you don't he didn't just start out crazy but his whole thing was like well i never got promoted to captain because blah and i'm like well because you're nuts dude yeah See, what I thought was interesting is, okay, so we're in a society that does have some kind of wadir, because yet at one point the Commodore whatever asks, you know, Kirk, is it okay that these are the people who are going to be judging you? And, you know, Kirk says yes. You know how they win this case? You know how they win this case? They pull out a picture of Kirk having, having a drink with a prosecuting attorney and say, this is a mistrial. This is a fucking mistrial. That's the other thing. Like- you cannot have, I mean... And she's all like, well, they made me do it. It's called conflict of interest. If you were any kind of lawyer, you wouldn't, they would know that. Like, this is not a horrible dystopia. Again, this is a regular, this is something, you know, in any sane legal system. And it's not like they're hiding the fact that they had a relationship. It's not like they're hiding, the, you know, they went secretly for drinks. No, they are openly mating in the station bar in and- front of... People who know both of them, and not only that, but um, they used to date. Yeah, like again. when the when the trial started, I actually, literally, word for word, wrote my notes. Um, the prosecutor should recuse herself. Yes, like that was my immediate reaction. That's it. Just the, no. The second she was tapped, she she said, "I have a prior relationship with Kirk. Um, I cannot adequately do this job." And again, any judge worth his salt would say. Okay, I mean, this is one where many there are there are several different lawyers apparently. Any judge would say, "Okay, I'm going to give," especially one who kind of wants to see Kirk hang in this. And yeah, yeah. At, at first, he's like giving Kirk the option. He's basically saying, "You know, look, it, he believes from the get go that Kirk did kill this guy." Um, and he basically says, "You know, look, no starship captains ever stood trial. I don't want this on my watch." You know, he basically says, "Look." 
give up your command. We'll just quietly give you to a planet some tear. We'll give you some wood. You'll make some chairs. And, you know, it'll be okay. And, you know, we're not going to stand you for trial. And, you know, when Kirk says, well, no, I didn't do this, he's like, all right, fine. Washing my hands. You're guilty. You know, like, so you would think, especially if he wants to see Kirk hang, he wouldn't get the woman who used to, you know, date him. Yeah. I, 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 the whole, the whole thing was just incompetently done. Um, although I do like the fact that, uh, of all of the, uh, people who are judging the trial, I don't believe any of them are white. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. Like, I just noticed little things like this. Yeah, yeah, the judges. Like, Star Trek, like, just, it does this, right? And I think it's because it did get this reputation as being sort of racially progressive where, um, you know, Stone was black and then there was, uh, you know, other dark skinned, uh, people on on the um, judging yeah. panel, and, and none of them were white. And I but, just think it's really interesting. It's never commented on. No, it's, like they don't talk about it. But it was that was pretty transgressive for for 1967. It's funny how I don't even notice that because that's kind of closer to how my world looks. Well, yeah, know? absolutely. And I think I actually. That's kind of awesome that you know I don't notice this as a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, oh, another weirdness of the legal system. So you have the prosecuting attorney calling a few witnesses, and the defense attorney doesn't say anything. And then the judge is like, "Hey, you, you know, anytime they ask him for questions, he says, oh, no questions, no questions.'" So the judge says, um, "You know, you haven't asked, asked asked any questions of the witnesses." And he says, "I'd like to call my own witness." And that's apparently how you get the defense <laughs> side to go. You know, arbitrarily just doing things weird. You know, I mean, that's fine. It's not like the prosecution had to rest her case or anything. It's just whenever you want to call a witness is fine. Mm. That that's totally fine. Yeah. Although I will say, I I loved the I loved Kirk's lawyer because that when 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 yeah. Kirk goes to see him, he's like no. surrounded by books, like stacks and stacks of books, and he's like, "Well, this computer can tell me everything I need to know, but it won't tell me the law. Like the <laughs> law is found in these books." And then Kirk is like, you're either crazy or you're blah, blah, Esquire. And he's like, you're both. You're right on both counts. And they have, then they have sex. By the way, it was, I don't think it was Kirk seeing him. I think that was Kirk going to his own – because she said, oh, he'll find you. He'll come to co- see you. Oh. And Kirk goes home and this guy's moved in. Well, that like, – that, that, that I thought – this episode felt like a pilot for this guy's show. <laughs> like, like, it was just – I, I – Either this was again one of those scripts that was for shopped around to seven different things, and then finally they. So is this Star Trek Judge Advocate General? <laughs> they say, yeah. Um, I, 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 I really felt like they were just trying to create this larger than life character who we'd want to see what cases he'd found. And, you know, I submit that he's not quite dead, and he's known for his theatrics, and you know, this crazy line nobody fucking wanted to see his show. I, I well, you mentioned that. I, I will. Um... Uh, I will say that I do like the twist of the episode, which is that Finney is not dead. Yeah. That was kind of cool. And I, you know, and I mean, the, the, the last 10, 15 minutes were actually good. Yeah, no, I mean, the episode is not, you know, we're having a lot of fun with it, but, uh, and, and it, it is a, a, a fun episode to, to sort of like, you know, yeah. uh, bat shit about. But, um, yeah, it's not as, you know, in terms of its structure, it's, it's definitely nowhere near as bad as uh, uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday. And I think, you know, it, in, 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 it makes a lot of sense. Um and yeah, like you said, the, the last you know ten minutes of the episode where they convene the trial on the Enterprise, yeah, and then they have this like uh, elaborate plan to uh, you know smoke out Finney, where they get everybody off the ship except for the people that are on the bridge, and then they've got some like weird heartbeat white noise no, 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 no. cancellation. It's a well, I know, but 
it's like yeah and then they're like what there's one heartbeat left by the way they so so what they're doing is they're basically the computer has a microphone input at all times so they amplify it so they're saying oh we're hearing all the sounds on the ship there are going to be a lot more sounds than a heartbeat on a ship just running silent you know like the ambient noise in this room is much you know more elaborate than they have but um I have to say, when I watched the episode, I watched like the first half hour of it, and then I, I stopped it, and then I went to work, and I, when I started the episode up again, it was at the point when they were reconvening the trial, and then the, the so the second time I watched it was a lot better, because it yeah. was, again, the interesting part of it, but yeah, it just felt like, it was just, it was a Perry Mason episode in space, that I was, mean, yeah, that's it's, what it was. It's okay, it's not great. You know, I mean, I de- you know, there's a there's a couple little things about about this episode that that sort of um, maybe we can uh, mention. Like, for example, I think this was the f- not the first mention of Starfleet, but the first mention of Starfleet Command. Okay, um, which uh, is interesting. You know, it's not that you know the, a lot a lot of this episode you know sort of feels like a world building episode in some ways. Like, um, okay, you know, Kirk against Starfleet Command. Like, he's a renegade and he 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 does his own thing and he, you know he doesn't kowtow to any admirals or commodores. You know, and that's something that's in his personality yeah. and that's something that definitely um, is is a strain, especially in the movies, like where. Like th- there's the you know Star Trek two three and four are all this interconnected story basically about how Kirk doesn't listen to Starfleet Command so that you, you know when we get to that you'll see that but uh, so that does set that uh, side of his personality up I think in, in interesting ways which is not again th- that's something we could ex- probably f- have figured out you know yeah, at this point yeah. in the series anyway um, and also uh, the you know again the implication that uh, Spock is nothing but a, a a pure calculating logic machine. Um, you know, the, the fact that he programmed the computer, the, the reason why they figure out that something is wrong with the computer is that uh, Spock says that he programmed the, the computer to play chess. And since he is so good that logically the only outcome would be a stalemate and he's won four games in a row. And so someone has tampered with the computer. It's um, weird because we have a computer which can completely understand natural language input, which can make analysis on the fly, which can pull up any record, which can, which is far more advanced than any computer we have today. And yet they didn't put any ability to learn into it. Like one would think one of the first things that you could program into an advanced chess computer is the ability to learn from other players. So even you have a... I mean, we can do that say, now let's to some say, degree. Yeah, let's say Spock is the best chess player in the galaxy. Let's just... For the sake of argument, the computer is still going to learn something from the shittiest chess player in the galaxy. It's going to learn from average players. It's going to learn mistakes. I mean, there's mistakes that the shitty one would make that Spock would never think to do just because he is that superior of a chess player. So it makes no sense that there would not be an adaptive uh, element to this programming either. But then again, that's with... 2012 and having read some stuff about AI. Yeah, 50 50 years in the future, yes, we can say these kind of things. This is what, Um, like 10, 15 years after Alan Turing died? Like, we are in the infancy. (laughs) I mean, you know, the the fact that the computers can um, sit on a desk in Star Trek was, was like, sort of a revolutionary idea, you know? I mean, there's that whole idea that, you know, uh, since Neil Armstrong died last week, you know, this is in my head, but, um, you know, and rest in peace, Neil Armstrong. Uh that um the the computers on uh Apollo 11 
um, you know, were these huge things that had, you know, the, the, the processing power of like a microwave. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so there's that idea, like they have these machines, these desktop machines that can hold every single piece of law and precedent in history. Uh, you got to kind of give them some, some slack. Yeah. Yeah. That, of course. You know? And it's, Star Trek, again, you said it was a soft sci-fi show. It's working very much on the, you know, Clark's law of, you know, technology is indistinguishable from magic. Uh, The computer is basically a magical box that can do whatever the plot requires it to. Yeah. Most of the tech on the show is just to do whatever because it doesn't really care. You know, it doesn't. It's, this, this is not Asimov writing this. You know, this is just... We're more interested in the adventure and the characters, which is why I think a lot of the reason the show has stayed. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you you can see that in this episode because uh, McCoy and Spock are, are fighting tooth and nail to, to help Kirk. And that's... We didn't mention it because that's sort of par for the course now. Yeah. Um, but it's still there. And it, that's something that is... Uh, just in their character now. And so you, you will expect that to be sort of one of the focal points of many of these episodes is just the joy of watching these characters interact and help each other. Yeah. Um, and then I also think, you know, like uh, at the very end of the episode where um, you have your nice little um, triumvirate wrap up, you know, where Kirk sits down after he gets his command back and he yeah. says, well, she, she was a good lawyer and, and, and you know, Spocking and, and McCoy just kind of make these comments like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, you totally wanted to bang her in the butt. Right. So it's, it's, it's not a you know it's not a objectively good episode yeah, I would say a, but but it's a fun episode. I, I that that's probably I, again I wouldn't watch this episode ever again but I enjoy it was bad in a different way that tomorrow was yesterday was yeah yeah but still it gets five and a half triples it's gonna get the other half of that I'll triple. I'll give it six okay. I'll, I'll give it a six you know I don't know I mean maybe a five see I don't think this is the six episode. Uh, but then I don't think it's a five because I gave tomorrow's yesterday a five. You can give it a half a triple. So I'm like, I don't want to get it in the halves. That's just getting to be too much. <laughs> uh, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, next week we're going to cover uh, the return of the Archons and Space Seed. Now, I know that episode. Yes. I've never would. seen it, but... I know it exists and it's a thing. Um, I will say that uh, uh, I thank you for suffering through uh, tomorrow's yesterday and and uh, and court martial. Yeah, this Marshall. was a shitty week. It was. It just kind of happened that these two episodes, you know, happened at the same time. If we'd done but, Menagerie as two separate episodes, we would have not had to have both of these in the same episode. I'm just saying. But we got them out of the way, and uh, the two episodes next week are both uh, quite good. I'm so. excited. The Netflix. Uh, preview shows what looks like spock in a dress so <laughs> i'm i have and kirk is wearing some weird like he looks like a wild west preacher i, I guess think he's wearing a bolo tie it was one of those like untied bow ties something like that yeah no a, bo- a bolo tie i saw a dude wearing i saw a couple dudes wearing bolo ties this week well, i don't even want, i no, think I it just, might be happening i, I don't want bolo that, ties are happening man i know just listen. If you if you're listening to this and you you don't live in Brooklyn, don't don't think that this is something that's acceptable to wear. Please, just don't don't wear a bolo tie. Aww. That's all I have to say. So come back next week. Return to the Archons and Space Seed. <laughs>